Sit back and listen and enjoy my podcast about health, wellness, fitness, yoga, business, and life. I talk about everything from ways of eating healthy, mindfulness, yoga, working out, manifesting, to pop culture, momming, adulting. I try to have fun and laugh at myself along the way of my sometimes stressed out and frazzled life. This is Fit, Fun, and Frazzled, and I am your host, Nikki Lanigan. This is episode 149 of Fit, Fun, and Frazzled. I'm your host, Nikki Lanigan, and today we are joined by my guest, Esther Avant. Esther is a health industry veteran with over 17 years of experience in fitness, nutrition, and wellness-related roles. She's a certified sports nutritionist, personal trainer, wellness coach, and an owner of E&A Coaching, which has provided holistic health and lifestyle coaching since 2015. Her mission is to help women live their happiest and healthiest and most confident lives and to change the fact that the majority of women are so preoccupied with their weight and their bodies that they never fully pursue their passions. She knows that if more women prioritize their health, they'd be able to unleash the confidence and focus they all need to leave their mark on the world. Esther is a boy mom and a Navy wife who has lived and traveled all over the world while running her EA coaching. You can find out more about her on her website. All this will be linked in my show notes. Go to estheravant.com. Instagram is also esther.avant. And she has a podcast, Live Diet Free. You could find this on Apple, Spotify. All this is linked in my show notes. Again, today we talk about how should people exercise? How can people motivate themselves to work out? and be more consistent? How much protein do you really need? Do you believe in any of the popular diet trends? And what Esther thinks about Ozempic and the weight loss, diabetes, diabetic drug, sweeping Hollywood and celebrities and all that. We get into that. We also talk about the 75 and hard and... um. What about working out and nutrition when you are in your 30s and 40s and metabolism slowing down? We talk, we actually, we hit on a lot of different topics. I'm really excited about this episode and I hope you guys enjoy it too. Please, please, please share it with someone else you think might enjoy it. Thanks guys. Welcome back to Fit, Fun, and Frazzled. I'm Nikki Lanigan, and we are joined by my guest today, Esther Avant. Hi, Esther. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm excited to talk to you, um, get to know you better. We met um, online on Instagram. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I love the name. I can really relate to all of those (laughs) attributes, so I feel like I'm in the right place. Yeah. Um, can you tell the listeners about yourself, who you are, what you do? Yeah. So I am a long-term, it's, I just had my 17 year anniversary of when I got my oh, first wow. personal training certification Oh, wow. I was in college. Yeah. I, I have such 
well, I guess now they're fun, but uh, I remember like having to take a cab. I went to school in Boston, having to take a cab outside the city to go to this testing center. I'm like mm-hmm. dating myself that now everything is done. Just log in and do it. Yeah. I had to wait for four to six weeks and get the paper results in the mail. And was just convinced the whole time I had failed. So ever since I've maintained that certification largely for the nostalgia. Um, and I was in school for exercise science. I became a personal trainer right after I graduated. And the rest of my career has sort of been learning from my current role, realizing the holes that I had in my skill set, developing those. So that took me from focusing just on nutrition to Mm -hmm. uh, focusing just on exercise to then expanding out to nutrition, becoming a certified nutrition coach and sports nutritionist, and then sort of wrapping it up with more of a focus on psychology, behavior change, and taking like the actual science and helping people apply it to themselves and their lives. Yeah. So over the course of all of that, I have also gone from being you know, 19 to being almost 37 and have had my own experimentation and sort of ups and downs where even as a personal trainer, I was struggling with my eating. I was in very mm-hmm. typical binge and restrict cycles and yeah. just throwing stuff at the wall, seeing what would, what would stick. Should I be fasting? Should I be doing small meals? Kind of all the stuff I tried on myself. Mm-hmm. And eventually a handful of years ago, I don't know, probably coming up on about 10 years, I really found a place of balance for myself where it just kind of everything fell into place. And I was like, oh, I get this. I know what I need to know. I know what I need to do. I know how to actually make myself do it. And that sort of piece of my life got much easier. So then that sort of helped my, my career transition to helping other women like me find that same balance. And what my coaches and I do now is provide that sort of all-encompassing coaching to other, primarily moms, but other women who, you know, want to feel good in their skin, want to be comfortable and confident and happy and healthy, and also don't have, you know, a ton of time or energy or bandwidth for Mm -hmm. really all-consuming approaches. So we really focus on helping people understand what behaviors matter the most, how to identify and then address the things that are preventing them from doing that work. Because mm-hmm. I hear so often, like, I know what to do. I'm just not doing it. And yeah. that's not getting you anywhere. So we really help kind of dive into, well, let's figure out why not. And then let's figure mm-hmm. out what you need to learn or change or do differently so that you are doing those things. You are seeing the results and you start to believe that it's possible for you to see the results that you want here and also have a career and have a family and all that stuff. So uh, that's kind of my career in a nutshell. And then over the course of that same time period, I met my now husband. He's in the Navy. So we've lived and moved all over the world while I've been growing my business. And then I became a mom uh, four and a half years ago. So that has sort of shifted my my focus and has mm-hmm. helped me relate a lot more to women in that stage of our lives. Wow. I have so many questions. <laughs> um, first you mentioned fasting. What are your thoughts on fasting? I know it's very popular right now, like intermittent fasting and the um, time-restricted eating. And I think there's the 20-hour fast. Yeah, it's so funny how many different names it has. Yeah. (laughs) I always joke, and I don't, I'm not actually opposed to fasting. I'll get into that in a second, Mm -hmm. but I always have to laugh because fasting just means not eating. So whenever Mm -hmm. I hear those terms or people talking about, oh, you know, I did a prolonged fast, I did you know, 60 hours or whatever, if you swap out fasting for didn't eat, yeah, 
suddenly it becomes a lot less catchy and you're like, wait a I second, know. you didn't eat mm-hmm. for three days? Like, I don't, like, of course, of course you're losing weight, but like, is that really how you want to live? I, yeah. So overall, I actually just sort of naturally practice kind of a more circadian style mm-hmm. of fasting where I, I pretty much don't eat after dinner. So I have a few hours to digest before bed, mm-hmm. which I think helps me fall asleep quickly and, and have restful sleep. And I like to get up and, and get moving a little bit, get a couple of things done before I eat my first meal of the day. I don't really consider myself an intermittent faster. I've just found that that's sort of a pattern, at least right now, that works well for me. Yeah. And I think there, you know, there is some validity to some of the benefits of fasting, but where I think it gets a little convoluted is that so many women are fasting for weight loss purposes, thinking mm-hmm. that it is some sort of special thing or like magic. All you have to do is, is not eat during these hours. When in reality, all it boils down to is if you have fewer hours that you're quote unquote allowed to eat, odds are you're going to end up eating less. And mm-hmm. that's what causes the weight loss. So if it it's a if it's a tool that helps you feel better about consistently being in the deficit you need to lose weight, great. Use the tools at your disposal. But it's not this kind of end-all be-all that a lot of people, a lot of women go into it thinking, where I've seen so many women who are irritable and yeah. Actually, when I was was personal training, I worked with a a lot of male trainers. And this was, gosh, I don't know, probably 12, maybe 15 years ago. They all did a 24-hour fast on Wednesdays. And it was like across the gym, the members, the staff, everybody knew, like, do not engage this certain group of trainers on Wednesdays because they are hangry monsters. Yeah. So that's what a lot of people experience is you you might be eating less, but you're also you're also hangry and mm-hmm. you're irritable. And when you do eat, you're more likely to then go overboard. And you might have this sort of belief of, well, if I'm only eating eight or four, however many hours a day, I can pretty much eat whatever. So mm-hmm. sometimes you don't actually eat less. Sometimes you actually end up, maybe you're eating fewer calories, but you're not eating as nutrient dense ones. So those are all kind of considerations. I would say if if it intrigues you, if it would work with your schedule where you're you know busy in the mornings anyway, and you want to see how does it feel to do it? Sure, try it. Um, but I would really encourage you to A, start off gradual. Start off with like, I'm just going to stop eating it after dinner. That's going to be most people, the most bang for your buck. Yeah. Um, there's some evidence that prolonged fasting in women can be, can, can be a problem with hormones and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say like, just don't be too attached to it as like the thing, go into it with an open mind, be willing to experiment and see, is this helping me get results? Do I like the way I'm feeling? And then if it's not, don't make that a personal problem. Don't blame yourself. There's nothing wrong with you. It's just not for everybody. Just like you don't need every tool in the toolbox for every job. You pick yeah. and choose what's going to help you and and when. Mm-hmm. That I've noticed if I don't eat or if I wait too long um, from eating, it intensifies my anxiety. It makes it worse. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's great intel. Just that the awareness to make those connections. Mm-hmm. So often it's like right in front of our face, but we don't realize it. Yeah. So to be able to see, oh, you know what, whether it's, you know, keeping a journal or documenting in some way, huh, I'm noticing a connection here. Let me explore that a little bit more. Let me experiment and and see because everybody's experience and what's going to work for them is going to be a little bit of this and that from here and there. And you just need to be willing to do the trial and error. Yeah, exactly. Um, do you think there's a set time or how often should people exercise? Great question. So I think 
we've sort of muddied the waters between intentional exercise and just general lifestyle movement. Yeah. Where something we focus on with clients is having a daily step goal. And I often see people sort of making that their exercise rather than like the intention is just to generally be more active outside of your workouts. So I think for structured exercise, a lot of the times less is more. I see a lot Mm -hmm. of people doing, you know, hours of cardio or doing something every single day, having this streak going and then being frustrated at their lack of results and not realizing that they're just not recovering well enough to maximize Mm -hmm. the benefits. So generally what we recommend is three days of strength training. We like to keep it simple, about 30 minutes, full body compound movements, heavy for you and hitting a a step goal, which is like your general movement, 6,000 plus. And then adding in a couple of days of cardio, varying lengths and, and intensities, and then a day or two of actual rest where maybe you do yoga, stretch, that sort of thing, but you're, you're taking the intensity way down. That's the general framework that I recommend because then you are allowing yourself to benefit the most from what you're actually doing. Yeah. And then on kind of the movement front, I think most of us just by nature of what kind of where society has gone, where it's so easy to have everything that we need without moving. Mm-hmm. Groceries delivered. You can get anything you want on Amazon. You can work from home. You can, you know, you can Skype with your friends and family or FaceTime or whatever. And it's just, you know, we're just not moving as much as we used to. So I think, you know, keeping your exercise relatively short and simple, and then just looking for ways to be generally more active. We're in the process of moving out and I've had to be vigorously cleaning our shower. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm tired from it. I'm, yeah. I'm getting more <laughs> in than I normally do. So things like that, just kind of reframing housework as a way to be more active, taking walks, having a garden, trying new hobbies instead of meeting up with friends to drink, you know, trying, you know, going bowling or trying a new sport, any of those just opportunities to move more, I think is a better focus than trying to do more intense exercise. I like that. Um, what, how can you motivate people or get them to motivate themselves? That's a good question. That's probably the the million dollar question is, you know, I'm I'm not, I'm not motivated. What, what am I doing wrong? Or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, what should I be doing differently? So I think the first thing to remember is that literally no one is motivated all the time. So if you're not feeling motivated, there's nothing wrong with you. I think we often blow things out of proportion and think, well, I didn't want to work out today because I'm lazy, because I'm always gonna, and we just like take this thing and run with it you're just not going to be motivated all the time. So don't Mm -hmm. set the bar there because you're going to be disappointed. So that's one one piece of it. I think the next is to really be honed in to why your goal is important to you. A lot of times we fail to make the connection between the action and the outcome that we want. And we just sort of think like, well, I want to lose this weight and I have to do this workout. It's like, well, you don't have to. You do have a choice. You're choosing to do the workout because being an active person is going to help you reach this goal that's important to you. So connecting the day-to-day action with the outcome that you want, or even better, with the the value um, in your life. So it's not that I have to get 6,000 steps. It's that health is important to me. And one of the things that I think a healthy person does 
is take walks, get fresh air, things like mm-hmm. that. So that's another piece of it. And really getting beneath the surface with not just, you know, I want to lose weight, I want my clothes to fit better, but what real significance does reaching your goal have? For most of us, it's more about having more energy, being in a better mood, being able to be more active with our kids, not missing out on things because we're insecure or we're out of shape. As we get older, it becomes more about longevity and independence and being around to see our kids grow up and have grandkids. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's about the way you're showing up in the world and wanting to progress in your career or find a, a new relationship, all sorts of things. But it's, it's rarely, I want to see this number on the scale, period. It's generally, that's like the proxy goal for this is what that represents to me. So getting clear on that distinction, I think is important. And then setting realistic goals. It's very tempting yeah. to want to go from zero to 60 overnight. Mm-hmm. But as we all know from trying that, it doesn't work. We mm-hmm. end up having these spurts where we're really kind of good. And then we get a curveball, we fall off and we never get momentum going. So just taking a look at like, well, what did I do last week? And what's a little bit better than that? Focusing on that incremental growth, because once you start to get some wins under your belt, you'll have some momentum going. You'll build confidence that, okay, I'm somebody who does what she says she's going to do. I already did this. How can I do a little bit more than that? It doesn't seem, it's not going to be that hard. So taking that sort of gradual approach. And then I think using other tools that might seem too basic or you might resist, but that can be really helpful, helpful, like just setting aside time each week to look ahead and map out what opportunities do I have to exercise? What are Mm -hmm. my really long days where I'm not going to want to make dinner when I get home or when I'm going to have meetings through lunch? How am I going to make sure that I'm eating the right amount to see the results that I want? despite life happening around me. So getting that stuff actually squared away in advance so that then you've already made the decisions. All you have to do is follow along throughout the week. And I think the final piece of it is training yourself to do what you said you'd do. A lot of people probably think, well, you know, I make a plan every week and then I just throw it out the window Mm -hmm. because, you know, because life happens. So I think the last piece is to really work on your reputation with yourself and think about in any other relationship in your life, you're a trustworthy, reliable person. If you tell mm-hmm. a friend you're going to pick her up at the airport, you're going to. If you tell your kids you're going to pick them up from school, you'll be there. But then when it comes to your own stuff, that's when you're like, mm, well, if, if it gets done, it gets done, but you know, it's not a huge deal. Mm-hmm. So starting to call yourself out on that and treat yourself the way you would any other person that you actually care about. And sometimes that means needing to give yourself a little tough love. We refer to it as parenting yourself. Mm-hmm. Sometimes your brain is going to be like a whiny toddler or an angsty teenager and just like throw this kind of woe is me tantrum. Yeah. I don't want to eat that lunch. This looks better. Or I don't want to do this workout. I'll do it later. And sometimes you just need to treat it the way you would those kids. And you're like, well, too bad. This is what we're doing. You don't have to like it, but it's happening. And yeah. that is sometimes, you know, love, self-love is holding yourself to us to a standard that you do what you say you do. And as you do that more and more, your self-concept changes and it starts getting easier to show up for yourself. And then once you are, you've kind of got that snowball rolling downhill. It's like, you've got the momentum, you're starting to see the results. The, the action precedes the motivation. I love that. I say the same thing to my clients and students too. Like 
you wouldn't cancel on a meeting. You wouldn't cancel on your kids like doctor's appointment or orthodontist or appointment. So why do you keep canceling on yourself? Exactly. You never want to, you know, you book that mm-hmm. thing six months out, it's on the calendar and you're like, that's the worst possible time, but also here we are. So I guess I'll just do it. So sometimes yeah. that's just what it's like. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Do you believe in any, or so I believe in um bio-individuality. So like with my clients or students, um, I work with them on creating a meal plan, like not one diet as I do air quotes um, works for everyone. Do you believe in any of the popular trendy diets or kind of similar, you know, what works for one person isn't going to work for everyone? Yeah. So I think, you know, the weight loss industry is just so yeah, it's like a lot of the time. carbs are yeah. bad. You need carbs, keto, right. you yeah. know, like. yeah. you're going to find conflicting advice yeah. everywhere you look. And also everything gets like monetized and named. Mm-hmm. And I've heard people refer to like, oh, I'm doing the calories in calories out diet. Well, that's What's just that? I don't even, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's just like being in a caloric deficit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so everybody's doing that. It doesn't necessarily need a name in capital letters, but um, so the approach that I take is that you're right. Everybody is different and mm-hmm. there's certainly no like blanket. This will work for everyone. What I focus on is what I call the big rocks, which are like the general principles and the general focuses that are going to give most people the most bang for their buck. What it looks like for each individual is going to vary, but they're sort of like just the the guiding principles of your, how much you're eating does matter. Mm -hmm. What you're eating also matters. So are you getting in sufficient protein? Are you getting in sufficient fiber? Those are the big nutrition rocks. And once you sort of know, okay, that's the, those are the main things that I'm going to be focusing my energy on. You get to get rid of all that other distraction and fluff. And then you get to figure out, okay, how do I apply this to myself? Everybody in different walks of life has different, you know, things that are easy, things that are hard. So a retired empty nester probably has a lot more time during the day to be making individual meals prior to eating. Mm-hmm. Whereas a busy working mom of a couple toddlers probably needs to be doing some form of like batch cooking or prepping or something to make like life easy throughout the week. So even though they're both focusing on a protein and fiber rich diet, that's, you know, nutrient dense and also supports their weight loss goals, the exact what they're doing is going to vary depending on them. So I think that's the, the most productive approach to take is keep it simple and then devote your energy on how do I make it work for me? And also what are the things that I'm noticing are making it hard and how do I solve for those? How much protein do you think someone should be getting? <laughs> there's a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of back and forth on this, even though yeah. you know, the science is relatively straightforward, generally speaking. So the, the recommended daily allowance of protein is low. The RDA is intended to prevent deficiency. So mm-hmm. Adults need about 0.36 grams of protein per pound of body weight to prevent deficiency. Most of us, just by nature of living in a developed country with ample access to food, get that. Mm -hmm. But for active adults, especially with fat loss goals, more protein is going to benefit you. The optimal range is probably around 0.7 to 1 gram of protein per pound of body weight, which may be drastically more than someone is used to. And I think that's where you hear a lot of people saying, oh, I was, you know, I had to chug egg whites and I was just constantly doing bars and shakes <laughs> and my stomach was all torn up. 
is we try to jump too fast. So Mm -hmm. there's really only going to be benefits of increasing your protein from wherever it is now. So even if you can just get yourself to like half a gram per, uh, per pound of body weight, that's a good start. And then once you're there, trying to creep up a little bit closer towards that 0.7 is a good idea. But generally speaking, protein has so many benefits and even more so for women as we age. So Mm -hmm. you're only going to benefit yourself if you, if you take the time that you need to incorporate a higher protein diet gradually. So maybe you start, you look and you're like, I'm getting, you know, 50, 60 grams a day. Okay. How do I get to 65 or 70 and make that normal? And then 80 and then 90. And if you do it little by little, you're going to make the changes that stick a lot more. And it's going to feel a lot less, um, like you're, like you're chugging egg whites and and doing a ton of, um, supplements. So I certainly don't think pretty much any of us need to be going above uh, a gram per pound. If you like protein, there's, and you don't have any, um, pre-existing conditions, there's no harm in more, Mm -hmm. but I'd say for most people that like 0.5 to 0.7 range is a reasonable one to work up to. And I think that's what's important is what's optimal in a lab setting and what's practical for actual people. There's often a disconnect. So you're trying to get like the Venn diagram of like, where do those two circles intersect? And I think that's around 0.5 to 0.7. Okay. I know I need to increase my protein. Well, first of all, I'm plant-based. So I know. That does make it tough. And that's another consideration. (laughs) A lot of times you hear like these blanket recommendations and it's like, well, Mm -hmm. you're going to be, you're going to have a hard time trying to hit a gram per pound if you're plant-based. So Mm -hmm. you need to take that into account from the jump and say, okay, maybe at max, I try to eventually get to 0.7. Let me just see where I am now and figure out what combinations in what quantities are going to help and potentially exploring a supplement because that can just like pretty effortlessly bump you up. And I think to to a serving per day, that's there's really not much of a downside. Um, so we just had the Oscars last night and there's so much talk about Ozempic, especially in Hollywood. Um, what are your thoughts on Ozempic? This is such a good question. <laughs> I'm trying to be measure intentional in my response because I know mm-hmm. this is a, a heated topic and I have a lot of thoughts on it. So what I will say is medication is a personal decision that should be discussed with, with your doctor. Mm-hmm. I think though, because we want instant gratification. We want it to be easy. We've wanted there to be a pill or a potion or a thing right. that just makes the weight fall off as, you know, as these medications seem to be doing for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So that's very appealing. I think the problem is a, a fewfold. One being electing to go on a prescription medication that you will likely need to take for the rest of your life is a big decision. And yeah. I don't know, you know, the ins and outs of how long-term the, the testing on these medications has gone, but I know that for a lot of people getting off medications is a, is a consideration that, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of women I talk to want to lose weight to reduce their, their reliance on, or to come completely off different medications. So to me, adding a probably lifelong medication would be an absolute last resort. And for some people it is. And I can also see the argument that if taking one medication then does change your health markers enough for the better that you can then come off three more, that seems seems like a a win. Um, But I think there are a lot of people who are not significantly overweight 
and just kind of want the easy button. Yeah. And again, that's a, I'm not here to, to judge the approach, right. take, but I feel like for me personally, I would want to have exhausted everything within my control first. Mm-hmm. And especially if we're talking about losing, you know, 20, 30, 40 pounds, I think there are likely for most of us, there are likely a lot of lifestyle related choices that we could make. And if we did them consistently would result in the weight loss without getting involved in a medication. Um, so, and I, and it's expensive, especially if you can't yeah. get covered by insurance. So to me, it just seems like a lot of people who are kind of jumping on the bandwagon might be being a little bit short-sighted with like, okay, sure. The weight just kind of coming off you changing nothing, but just having no interest in food mm-hmm. and it being easy to lose weight. That's really appealing. But just like kind of with anything, what's the, what comes next? Yeah. Are you prepared to stay on this medication forever? Are you prepared to try to wean yourself and maintain with the lifestyle changes that hopefully you've made? Um, so I would, I would say it's, it's not for me personally, and I would think long and hard about whether it's a, a thing you want to do, especially if you don't have a ton of weight to lose. Yeah. I was just thinking how to like, especially the celebrity celebrities that don't have weight to lose, get prescriptions for it. To just like doctors don't like, care. Beverly like, Hills doctors that just yeah, have the script pads for, for whatever. <laughs> one of the one of the perks of being rich and famous is you can just get uh, that's how they get the all the Xanax and who knows what. <laughs> yeah. Just, probably have your own pad. It's already signed, just like fill it out for whatever you want. <laughs> um, so I was listening to some of your podcasts, and you did one on the 75 and hard challenge. And I saw like, it was a few years ago. No, maybe it was like the height of COVID probably. A lot of people were doing it. And um, even last year, people were doing it. Um, And I just wanted to know your thoughts on it. I know my thoughts and it's pretty similar to yours. Like if it's, you know, doing something mentally tough, you know, I though, um, I've talked about it openly on my podcast. I have, I had, um, over exercising and exercising addiction. So I personally, I don't think it's good for me to try to work out two times a day because I easily can make myself work out. And I work out a lot like, and I shouldn't. So that's also like, I know, and I am already like, I meditate and read self-help and those kind of books anyway. (laughs) Yeah. You're already doing a lot of things in which case, like, is that, you know, turning it up to the nth degree, is that actually Mm going to benefit you or like the, I think for, for a lot of people, the, the hope is that they'll maintain those habits afterwards. Yeah. So if you already have those habits, then that's probably not the mental fortitude challenge for you. We mm-hmm. all have plenty of areas we can work on. If things are already going pretty well in that area, just leave well enough alone. Yeah. And I think the biggest issue I have with it is that everything gets turned into a weight loss thing. Mm-hmm. Whole 30 was never intended to be a diet. 75 hours was not intended to be a diet. And because so many people want to lose weight, anything extreme that involves food and exercise kind of becomes, that becomes the focal point. Mm-hmm. So I just, I think most people are prone to an all or nothing type approach where we go all in, we do a challenge, we do a 75 hard, we do a whatever. And 
then we kind of revert back to doing what we're doing before, which is basically nothing. And that hasn't made most of us successful thus far, and that's unlikely to change. So I think for, for most of us, the actual challenge, the actual mental fortitude we need to build is being consistent over longer periods of time, getting mm -hmm. comfortable with the boredom. I was noticing in our client community that one of the biggest obstacles is when clients start to feel like, oh, my current meals are feeling kind of boring. Like I've been doing this for a while. Like the, the newness has worn off. Yeah. That's the biggest challenge. Anytime you're jumping to some new thing, it's shiny and fun and new and you can stick it out for three weeks, six weeks, whatever. It's learning how to not jump ship and find something else when you do start to get bored. It's getting comfortable with the boredom of, yeah, I need to keep doing this day in and day out for months and years and probably the rest of my life. That's the actual work. So I don't think for most people, a 75 hard type challenge is fostering that. In fact, I think it's just further exacerbating. Do this for a short period of time and then do something else or don't do anything and then come back. Um, and and really that's not the, the issue at all. Yeah. Um, so I asked my listeners if for questions that they wanted to know. Um, and I have, are there any special ways of eating and fitness for, for women over 40? <laughs> Love this question. We work with a ton of peri and postmenopausal women. And I'm always a little bit amused by like everyone from like women who are 30 to women who are 60 are saying it's just so much harder than it used to be. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. So we can just accept that this is not an easy thing. If it was, we wouldn't be struggling with the obesity rates that we are. So we know this is hard. And we know that things change over the course of our lifetimes. We just need to accept those realities. That does yeah. not mean that this is out of your control. Your hormones may be fluctuating. You may be eventually dropping much, much lower in estrogen and progesterone once you're fully uh, menopausal. But a lot of the symptoms that come along with those changes can be mitigated by lifestyle choices. Mm -hmm. So- one of the most important focuses for women 40 plus is strength training. Like I talked about earlier, heavy and progressive strength training. None of this like three to five pound dumbbells, mm -hmm. like weight type stuff, actual heavyweights. Thinking about how heavy are your kids when you pick them up what about yeah. your dog or the groceries that you're bringing in or the stuff you're moving around at work. You are much stronger than you realize and your, your strength workouts need to reflect that. Mm -hmm. So really getting the habit of challenging yourself in those workouts, working with heavier weights, lower rep ranges. And if you're not sure how to do that, potentially meeting with a trainer in person or remotely doing a, a program, learning the basics because strength only gets more and more important as we age, we start mm -hmm. to lose muscle mass as we get older. So building as much as you can, and then maintaining it long-term is of the utmost importance. Another really important thing as we get older is walking, which again, like these are the big rocks that I was talking about, the general principles apply to, apply mm -hmm. to everything. Um, so making sure you're getting your steps in. And I think what a lot of women overlook as we get older is the importance of rest and recovery. Yeah. We have this mentality of, well, if I've been doing this amount and it's not working, then I should, I need to do more in order to see a result. And often it's actually, I need to scale back. I need to promote mm -hmm. The, the recovery. I need to rest more. I need to manage my stress. My body's going through a lot of stress right now. Mm -hmm. I don't need to pile more on with a ton of cardio and beat downs in, in the gym. So focusing on your strength and your steps, your recovery, and then moderate amounts of cardio if you enjoy them. 
So not doing hit classes seven days a week, yeah. not going out for five mile jogs every morning, being really intentional with how well am I able to recover from these things and what's like my overall lifestyle stress load looking like. And then on the nutrition front, calories still matter. The good mm-hmm. news is our metabolisms don't actually change very drastically into oh, our 60s. So oh. right, you hear a lot of like, oh, my metabolism once I get 40, it just plummeted. I'm like, well, not actually. Yeah. Um, what generally ends up changing is that our lifestyles change in subtle ways. Our kids get older and don't need us as much. We have more opportunities. You know, we probably have progressed in our careers. We might have more disposable income. We go out to eat and drink more mm-hmm. often. We take more vacations. Maybe we're just, um, you know, past the point where we're like grinding all the time and we have more time to relax and generally food and drinks are involved in that. So that's mm-hmm. one of the biggest changes is just our lifestyle. So I think that's really empowering. Okay, if that's what's changing, then I just need to develop the awareness of, you know, what am I doing and and is it serving me or not? Alcohol is one that most women would benefit from reducing, especially in menopause. It's messing with your sleep. It's messing with your recovery. It's messing with your um, your weight loss, all things that are already hard enough. And the mm-hmm. alcohol is not doing any favors. I'm not saying you have to eliminate it entirely, but reducing it to basically the smallest dose that, is actually enhancing your quality of life is going to make a big difference. Protein gets even more important and high fiber foods. So those are kind of the big rocks. Once you have that stuff dialed in, we do become more sensitive to carbohydrates as we go through menopause. So once the big stuff is squared away, potentially experimenting with not needing to go low carb, but being a little bit more intentional and strategic about when we eat the bulk of them prioritizing Mm -hmm. those around our workouts and then focusing more on vegetables further from that can, that can make a big difference in belly fat. Hmm. Good to know all this. Um, the next question is a little similar, best weight loss tips for different body types. And then this person also put, and your age, but you kind of already touched the age. So best weight loss tips for different body types. Yeah. So I feel like, I don't know how many years ago it was, but the different shaped, like the, the apple versus the yeah. stuff mm-hmm. was like really running rampant for a while. Yeah. And if I'm remembering correctly, the research kind of indicated like, that's not really, not really a thing. Like, yes, there are people who are naturally, you know, leaner and thinner and things like that. It was kind of like tall gangly type, mm-hmm. uh, type body type. And then there certainly are the, you know, denser, shorter, you know, bigger boned type body types, but the approach that you take really doesn't need to change drastically. Again, it kind of comes down to what the big rocks looks like applied to your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't be focusing too much on, well, you know, I carry my weight in my hips. So does that mean I should do two days of legs instead of three? Yeah. And I should do a little bit more arms. Like you're just majoring in the minors. So at the end of the day, like get in your strength training, you might find that your body responds more positively to certain things. You know, there are women, I'm in a lot of Peloton groups and someone will say my legs like bulk up very quickly if I ride with a lot of resistance and other women say my legs won't grow for the life of me. So yeah. there are some individual differences. And if you notice in the course of trying things that, huh, you know what? My body changed in ways I didn't like when I started doing this, that's good for you to know. But overall, regardless of what your body looks like, you want to build muscle, you want to have strength. You want to be strong. You want to be getting your daily movement and, and walking. And, you know, that's, that's kind of that for basically everybody. Yeah. Um, do you have a morning or nighttime routine? 
that's a good question. It varies at certain mm-hmm. times in my life. I have, I, my son now is four and a half and I could pro- I could have a morning routine now if I wanted one, but he wakes me up plenty early between like 5.45 yeah. and 6.30. So my mornings now are just kind of, I wake up when, when he wakes me up, we do the basic, you know, get dressed, mm-hmm. brush teeth type thing. Once I drop him off at school, I take a walk. I do my strength training. I do a little bit of work. I eat breakfast. That's pretty much set. No matter the morning, I try to get some movement in pretty early. I just know mm-hmm. it sets a good tone for the day and makes me feel good. Um, and same thing with evenings. We've been living in Germany the last few years. So a lot of the work that I do with people in the States has to happen pretty late in the night or late yeah. in the day. So oftentimes I'll be working from like 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. So I don't have much in terms of wind down, but I do have some sort of anchors, like just like I move early in the day, I pretty much don't eat after dinner. I just know when I've done it in the past, it's been out of habit, not out of necessity. Mm-hmm. And I'm just taking in excess calories that I don't actually need. So for me, it was easiest to just kind of make a personal rule of, oh, I just don't do it. I don't have to battle with myself and say, oh, should I today or I don't know. Um, I just don't consider it anymore. So those are sort of my my anchors. Um, but at other times I've been more strategic with like wake up, meditate, that sort of thing. So yeah. I think what I've learned is that as important as it is to be consistent, it's also really important to be flexible and mm-hmm. recognize when things might not be serving you that, okay, it was before, it worked before, now it's not, it's okay to change that. And to recognize these are the things that I wanna get done, whether they get done in the exact same order at the same time every day, or just at some point before I go to bed, the point is that they're getting done. I like that. Um, do you have time to do a quick rapid fire of sure. questions? I'll try okay. to be rapid. I'm very not. Oh, I know. It doesn't have to really be rapid. rapid. <laughs> <laughs> just call it rapid fire, but you can take your time answering. <laughs> um, coffee or tea? You know what? I stopped drinking caffeine like, I don't know, five or six years ago. So oh, wow. neither. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> um, do you have a TV show that you're binge watching right now? Last night, I finished the fourth season of You on Netflix. Oh, okay. I won't give any spoilers, but I will say that I'm very disappointed and I don't know if I'll watch another season, so. Oh, really? Oh, no. Yeah, I I try (laughs) to watch very little TV. This, I got hooked Mm -hmm. in. I got hand, foot, mouth from my son uh, a couple of years ago and Mm -hmm. couldn't sleep for a couple of days. So I literally binge watched like the entire first season from like midnight to to 8 a.m. one night. And that got me hooked on it. So I watched it as soon as it came out, but I think they've lost me after this season. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite movie? Not a big movie person. The one that comes to mind is Office Space. Mm-hmm. I really liked that when it came out. It's part of how I ended up majoring in exercise science and I'd like it, I guess, for nostalgic reasons. Yeah. Um, what's on your nightstand? A lot, of, a lot of dust, if I'm being honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a white white noise machine. I always have a book or like a stack of books, mm-hmm. a notebook, because I like to take notes when I uh, read. And that is like miscellaneous clutter, but those are the those are the important things that I want there. Um, what are you reading right now? I'm reading a book called So Effing Tired on my podcast. Oh. I do a monthly book review. Mm-hmm. What I read is probably similar to what you read. It's kind of like the self-help psychology type yeah. stuff. I enjoy, but I know 
so many of our clients and, and listeners would benefit from reading, but just don't have the mm-hmm. time, the desire. Like that's not what they want to read if they're going to get a few minutes to pop a book open. So I'm like, you know what? I'm reading them anyway. I also like to take notes. Why don't I just summarize them? So I'm doing that one. And she has, actually it's right here. Um, she has another one called So Effing Hungry. Yeah, I just got that book. I haven't started yeah. it yet though. Yeah, so I'm going to do both yeah. of those. I like that. Um, And then playing on the books. Um, are there any books that like changed your life or you think people should read? Yeah, I have two that I always tell our clients. If I could, if I could make them required reading, I would. Mm-hmm. First one for literally anyone is Atomic Habits, which probably mm-hmm. is a very common answer. Uh, the second one is Chasing Cupcakes. And it's written by a woman who struggled with her weight her whole life and is really talking about kind of the, the psychology of how do you get yourself to a point where you want to make these changes and you believe that you can. So that's another one that I, you know, if, if I had been highlighting, it would like the whole thing would have been highlighted. Yeah. <laughs> um, where can the listeners find you? So I have a podcast called Live Diet Free. It's on all the, all the platforms. It's one of my favorite things to do. We've been around a couple of years and I love it. So I would be thrilled if you check that out. I'm also on Instagram, esther.avant. My website is my full name, estheravant, E-S-T-H-E-R-A-V-A-N-T. And then I have a Facebook group by the same name as my podcast, Live Diet Free, where I do a live weekly Q&A and um, we have goal setting threads and, and things like that. So those are mostly the places. Thank you. This um, will also all be in the show notes too. So people can just click on the link to find you too. But thank you. Thank you you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. This is a blast. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Fit, Fun, and Frazzled. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to where you listen to your podcast, leave a five-star rating, leave a review, share it with someone else you think might enjoy this. Post it on Instagram, tag us in your stories, and head to the link in my show notes and find Esther and her website and Instagram and her podcast.